I'm Damien Fowler. And I'm Ailey Slifring. And welcome to this edition of The Current Podcast. The Current is your deep dive into the future of TV, media, and data-driven marketing, all explained in plain English. We talk to the biggest names in digital marketing, and this week we sit down with David Sandstrom, the CMO of Klarna. Klarna is a Swedish payment giant, part bank and part shopping service, known for its buy now, pay later product. Founded in 2005, the company was one of Sweden's five unicorns, alongside the likes of Spotify. It recently announced a new collaboration with OpenAI to streamline the shopping experience on its app. David has deep marketing experience on the agency side before taking the CMO role at Klarna in 2017. With more than 150 million consumers using its services around the world, it's been hailed as the disruptor of the financial services industry. There's usually a misconception about us being a pure buy now, pay later company. At the core of what we do, I usually describe Klarna as a company that provides consumers and merchants with everyday shopping services. On the consumer side, we offer payments, we offer deals, we offer inspiration. So it's more of a shopping universe. On the merchant side, we offer them better ways to sell things. We help them with user growth. We help them with insights. So in many ways, I would describe Klarna as a small shopping ecosystem. But at the core of things, we have basically three big products. We have the Pay Now product, which is basically a debit feature. So you buy something, you pay for it directly. We have a financing product, which is for bigger purchases when you want to spread the cost over maybe six months or 12 months. If you buy a bed or a TV or a you know you, you want to tr- purchase a trip or something like that, it's a bigger cost, you finance it. And then we have what we call the buy now, pay later product, which is a product where you take a smaller purchase, usually around $100, $200. You split that purchase into four equal parts, spread that out, four biweekly payments, uh, and you pay zero interest. If you stick to the payment plan, it is an extremely smart way of stretching your cost. How is it perhaps the same or different from how you might use like a credit card? When it comes to Klarna, the the comparison to credit cards are fair. I mean, payments used to be a huge pain point for both consumers and for merchants. Consumers didn't really trust the e-commerce companies to give out their credit card numbers. Merchants didn't really trust consumers of not scamming them or not paying them correctly. So Klarna once started out with the, you know, with the ambition to solve that distrust in the markets and payments were at the core of that. I think our payments, so not our other services, but the payment services, they have a lot of similarity with credit cards, but also a lot of differences, right? So the similarities are the obvious ones. It is a way to stretch and split payments. The difference is that we do it in a much better and nicer way, right? We don't screw people over with like strange terms and conditions or predatory APRs. So the feature itself is very similar to credit cards. The how we do things is very dissimilar. When Klarna was founded, was it obvious that the industry needed disrupting? I I think it's now widely accepted that the financial industry is one of the most hated and most distrusted industries in the world. So it's it's a nice industry to disrupt. The industry in itself also makes money from absolutely nothing. There are trillions being made every year by from transferring money. 
moving not one number in an Excel sheet and a database to another database, right? Overdraft fees, all of those things, they make money from nothing. And I mean, the credit card industry is an $8 trillion industry alone in the US. I mean, in the famous words of, uh, of Jeff Bezos, like your margin, my opportunity. And I think that holds true for this industry as well. An industry that makes this insane amount of money is ready to be uh, disrupted. We're happy to be there. Where would you say is your biggest market? Is it still Europe? Well, if we look at Europe as one market, it's Europe. But otherwise, as a market, it's US. The interesting thing with money and finances, personal finances specifically, is that they are, to some extent, the, the, the needs within this space are universal. But some things are very, very country specific, like the way in which the Nordic countries see personal finances versus Germans versus Brits versus uh, Americans is completely different. And one of the like reasons why we've seen the massive growth and popularity in the US, in my opinion, is that many US customers have been screwed over for almost for decades by banks and financial institutions. At least a lot of our customers that we speak to, like one of their main reasons why they love us, apart from the product actually being smooth and smart and useful, is the fact that they save money. They're not being, you know, brought into debt. Many of our customers have themselves or have parents or close ones that are in deep student debt, mortgage debt and credit card debt. And those things are like, if you zoom out a bit, the burden of that, the burden of thinking about uh, your finances that might become a big, bigger issue than, than, than just the actual finances, but, but like mental health issues connected to that. It's a huge burden. So again, that, and I, I think we see that in the data, the huge transition from the US being a credit card country into more and more, especially Gen Zers wanting a debit experience, wanting to stay more in control of their finances, not wanting to overpay on fees and interest. We're seeing that clearly in the data. So I think just like the introduction of a fairer and smarter alternative to credit has been well received. And you mentioned how Klarna has basically blossomed into being a source, a tool during this like shopping boom. How would you say the brand has benefited from the boom in e-commerce and perhaps what opportunities you have taken? Yeah, I mean, as you say, the, the e-commerce industry has really boomed in, uh, in recent years, especially during the pandemic, where there were no other options than to actually turn to e-commerce. The popularity of our payments have given us the opportunity to actually solve more pain points for consumers. Finding the right price is a hard thing. So we started a big price comparison engine. Buying things directly from content has been extremely hard on TikTok and on Instagram. So we solved that, right? Tracking your package across all of the different delivery systems has been hard. So we solved that. So the e-commerce boom and the popularity around our payment methods has really enabled us to expand our footprint into other areas than just payments. So that has been fantastic. In many ways, I mean, we're, we're extremely intertwined with the e-commerce industry. So let's talk about marketing now. You're the CMO of, of Klarna, and I'm interested in your own experiences as a digital marketer. Uh, how did those experiences prepare you for this role at this company? I recommend everyone to be at an agency at some point in time in their career, because what that basically means is 
you're tapping into a lot of different businesses, right? You get to see a lot of different industries, not fully from the inside, but you get to learn about their challenges, how they solve things, their innovation. And doing that in 10 different industries at the same time is really supercharging your experience. And my my experience at the agency side was great. I got to work with everything ranging from the Swedish Armed Forces to Volkswagen to McDonald's, right? Three companies that face value don't have a lot in common, but What I also learned and what I still appreciate is that creativity and innovation is often about combining things that previously weren't really possible. That's probably the thing that is um, like one of the most important thing when you lead a big organization as I do with a thousand people. Having different perspectives on issues, on opportunities is uh, that's just key. Given all those experiences and all those insights you gleaned, how did you kind of put all that together, you know, when, when it comes to the marketing of the brand? Was it clear from the beginning you wanted to be seen as a disruptor with a, a different kind of identity? I mean, that played a big role, like the, the ambition to start combining things that previously weren't really, you know, being combined. I usually talk a lot about high tech and high touch. I mean, previously Apple had done that well, taking a very techy product such as an MP3 player and combining that with design, with touch, with emotion, right? That hadn't really been done before. And I was thinking along similar lines when it came to financial services. You know, what happens if we combine, you know, that technology and that proposition with design, with beauty, with fun, with energy? I, I brought that thinking into what we did, but at the heart, Klarna in itself was a disruptor, right? It's just the brand didn't communicate that. The brand is just a reflection of what we promise with the product. People should know that the experience is easy, it's fair, it's fun, like those kind of things. Easy in terms that it's not complicated as financial services usually are. Like most people cannot even calculate different kind of interests in APRs, like really being easy to use, being fair to use, um, no hierarchies in our customer bases, no premium or gold members, and then fun, right? Uh, so that is what I wanted to build. Let's talk a little bit about um, Klarna's campaigns. Can you talk about the smooth, there's like three O's in that campaign, if I'm not mistaken, and how that has helped uh, boost the profile of the brand? I mean, if we start with the smooth, at the core of it, that is just a more interesting way to, you know, talk about the two main category drivers, convenience and smartness. It should be very convenient. People are I wouldn't call them lazy, but they are. The path of least resistance is very important to most people. And smartness, right? They, they, people want to be a bit savvy. They want to save money. They want to feel like they're on top of things. What is a nice marketing-ish way to say that? It's smooth. So basically, our, our brand promise of smooth is just a description of the, the biggest category drivers. You know, you have some really fun brand ambassadors, too, in your campaigns, such as like Snoop Dogg and Paris Hilton. Who are you targeting such campaigns at? What would you say is like your target demo? Everyone uses Klarna, basically. We have a very broad target audience. If you you look at many of our European markets, 50 plus percent of e-commerce transactions go through Klarna. And that means that everyone from, you know, a 20-year-old inner city kid to a 70-year-old grandma who's just been introduced to buying things online actually use Klarna. To me, what working with ambassadors comes down to putting a partly a pop cultural voice to our proposition. 
right? So really understanding how the internet works, what makes people talk, how we can become a topic around the dinner table. Using the likes of Snoop Dogg or Paris Hilton just really enables us to become, I wouldn't say talk of the town, but put a different voice to our proposition. Do you have a favorite campaign? I don't know. I think like all of the campaigns play a special role in our journey. But I still do think that like the Snoop Dogg campaign in the beginning was a big catalyst for, I mean, our journey in the US and our our global expansion was the first time that we actually were bold enough to do something like that. And I mean, now I think we've set a new standard for how to actually roll out global campaigns. But back then it was like, it was something extremely different. I like most of them, but the Snoop Dogg campaign is still like, for Klarna, that has meant a lot. We have to talk uh, about AI, (laughs) obviously, at this point. And you've announced an integration with ChatGPT. Could you sort of talk a little bit about how that optimizes the app and, you know, any examples that you care to share? We're extremely proud over the close collaboration and partnership we have with OpenAI, right? And we try to implement AI or the thinking around AI in as many places as possible here at Klarna, ranging from internal efficiency to the consumer products that we launch. One of the first things we launched was the plugin with ChatGPT. I think we announced that a couple of months ago. That basically means that you can talk to our product database on openai.com. So you go to OpenAI, you select Klarna as the plugin, which basically gives you access to our entire database, but not in the raw, unstructured, difficult form, but through the OpenAI interface. So you would chat to our entire database, which is huge, by the way, has many, many products in it. And you would say that, hey, I'm on the lookout for a drone that can do X, Y, Z. And then you would start a conversation with our product database. What AI enables us to do in that case, which I think is extremely interesting, is to act as a product expert that knows, I wouldn't say everything about every product, but a lot about a lot of products. So instead of having to go to a specialized drone store, you would use the OpenAI interface on our product database and actually start querying and talking to the product database. And I think that is a development that is extremely, extremely interesting. Do you have any concerns about jumping into AI so quickly when it's still quirky, shall we say? No, actually not. In in general, I think there are always two camps. People who worry before something has happened or people that worry because of something having, like, because that something has happened, right? Um, I, I'm probably in the camp where I, like, I don't worry before I, I need to be worried. I think we're approaching AI in a very, you know, positive way in a very open-minded way and to me curiosity is really one of those traits and one of those things that is absolutely key when we're talking about ai right no one really knows where this is going and i mean the curiosity aspect of this is it's going to be key what i also see however if we're not being curious i do think we might you know encounter some kind of competence gap which basically means that, you know, there will be an AI elite or whatever we call that. And and I think we as a company need to be on the right side of that. I think if you don't start getting involved, if you don't start using these things now, I mean, you won't be able to catch up in two years time. You know, you recently also joined forces with Airbnb, which allows guests in the US and Canada flexible payment options. How and why does this partnership make sense to you guys? 
what we're seeing is that one of the best ways, even for huge companies as Airbnb, like Airbnb, to expand their customer base is to offer more flexible payment options, really giving people the opportunity to be on top of how and when they want to pay. And we're seeing that over and over again. And the ability to actually spread your cost or split the cost of a Airbnb vacation, uh, I think makes a lot of sense. It's a perfect fit. Beyond like partnerships with businesses like Airbnb, are there any like marketing channels that you're interested in experimenting with or new ways to go about collecting data? No, I think there are a lot of things that we're exploring. And I mean, we're constantly looking into new ways to partly get our message out, but also getting our products out, right? I think one thing we haven't really tapped into, which isn't really a new channel, but rather the opposite is our old channels. If we look at, you know, purely marketing-wise, like the strength of daytime television still in the US is something that I'm fairly interested in. Like, what, what would that bring? Because I still think, like, we have a fantastic product. We have a fantastic proposition. I need to bring awareness out there to the masses. So although I'm super interested in niche, small, new channels that are popping up from a digital perspective, one of my main challenges is like, okay, I truly believe that this is a product proposition that needs to reach a billion people. Like I truly believe that a billion people need to hear about what we have to offer. How do I get a billion people to listen to this? Right? That's the thing. Like, what are the channels where that is possible? And now even talking about the bigger, the bigger digital channels, like that is a hard challenge. I think what we're extremely good at is the specific relevant targeting in digital channels. Like we're good with that. What I need more of probably is the broad outreach, the Super Bowl equivalences of the world, like where we actually get the chance to present the product to a much broader audience. You mentioned uh, inadvertently, perhaps in your last answer, the Super Bowl. And obviously, that's one of the world's big kind of galvanizing tentpole events, or at least in the United States, it is. Are you looking at things like the Super Bowl or big sporting events like the Olympics next year? A any of those things are on your radar? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Like it would be, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't scan the world for these kind of moments. The slightly boring thing is that everyone knows them, right? So everyone's thinking about the, the, the same thing. It's hard to be very smart with the Olympics. It's not that I've cracked something by entering the Olympics, right? I presume there are quite many CMOs that know about the Olympics. I, I don't think I'm going to be groundbreaking. It can be groundbreaking in the approach and the content and the way we do it. But like the Super Bowl is what it is, right? And, and there is a fairly standardized recipe for doing that but still like what can we do around that how can we be special how can we turn it into a moment that actually makes sense to us and even more so our consumers yes we're looking into that and we did the super bowl i was such a bad memory two years ago three years ago something like that and it was actually um mind-blowing how impactful that format still is you know you said why not a billion people can you share some kind of perspective of how many people you've got using the app around the world? Yep. So in total, if we include everything that is being used for our payment methods, we have about 150 million consumers. If we look at the app, I think we have 40 million app users right now. So the app is really an in-depth product. You can use Klarna to pay at half a million merchants. So those are our payment methods. And then you can obviously deepen the engagement, which a lot of people do, saying, hey, I love Klarna. Is there more to Klarna? And they then download the app, which in itself is a fantastic shopping utility where you can do all sorts of things, ranging from comparing prices to being inspired 
looking at shoppable videos and content, building wish lists, tracking your package, digital receipts. You get it. Loads of shopping related things. I'm downloading it right now. <laughs> yeah, you should. <laughs> I'm happy. I can add you to my KPIs. That's it for this season of The Current Podcast. We'll be back soon with season six, kicking off with Dominic DiMeglio, the EVP and CMO at Paramount Streaming. The Current is produced by Wonder Media Network. Our theme is by Loving Caliber. The Current team includes Chris Brooklier and Kat Bessie. And remember... The brand is very much like a door opener, or more a stage for us to communicate what we are and what we do, right? It's a lot that we try to convey what the product already is. I'm Eileen. And I'm Damien. And we'll see you next time.